You're listening to How Do You Decide with Megan Stafford, a podcast that explores how the decisions we make shape us, the crossroads, the difficult choices, and how sometimes the smallest decisions can have the biggest impact. Join me as I meet everyday Aussies and find out about their lives, the decisions that changed them, and how they coped along the way. This week on the podcast... I don't feel bad if I'm going through a bad. I know there's a reason why I'm going through that bad. Okay, and and it's not good. I know it's not good, (laughs) but I know there's better things to come. That's Terry Slack. Terry was born in New Zealand. The son of a farmer, Terry chose to leave behind the unspoken obligation that he would one day take over the farm. Instead, he went off shearing. He got married and had two kids. Later, Terry ended up in Auckland, divorced and running a spiritualist church before migrating to Australia, where he worked as a masseur and clairvoyant. The best way to describe him then is a Kiwi shearer turned Aussie healer. Terry lives in Charters Towers now. In this conversation, we discuss what motivated him to leave the farm, stop speculating about what made him do it because you'll never guess. We talk about beliefs, spirituality and the power of meditation. When it comes to decisions, Terry says, It's how you deal with what you've been given. We start with Terry discussing his first conscious memory. A disclaimer, the sound you hear for the first 19 minutes of the interview is paper rustling, and throughout you'll hear cars driving by because Charters Towers is a busy place. Terry Slack. At the age of about four, I had an experience where I had pneumonia bad, and uh, they thought they were going to lose me, but... I remember at the time a vague memory of standing outside my body and watching the doctor give me one of those new penicillin injections that they'd invented then. And fortunately it brought me round. So as I proceeded on, I started primary school, a rather small school, about 10 to 12 pupils. I never did very good with my, uh, I'm dyslexic, slightly dyslexic, and I see things sort of back to front at times, and so my spelling and my writing was not good, but I did very well at things like science or building or stuff that didn't involve too many words. In fact, I came second in my class in science. However, because I wasn't doing extra well, my father said I'd better come home and start working on the farm. I was, however, very interested in shearing. One of the jobs he gave us was the jobs he didn't like. My father had been a shearer for many years, and as soon as the kids got old enough, they were taught how to shear a sheep or how to dress a mutton or whatever the job, or or how to bury the result of the, the bucket out the back for the long drop. Uh, but <laughs> it uh, it was all part of growing up, and they did their best with what they had to work with. In the early 20s, I had an experience that changed me, and it's really quite strange. There's nothing wrong with the present system, but I went to a show, and this show was rather a, shall we say, uh, an unusual show for the time, and it was in it, it was studied to some degree because it, it brought out of the woodwork some of the things that we don't talk about. 
For example, there was nudity in the show, and they never allowed nudity before the show was came in. But when I sat in the show and listened to what they were saying and joined in the songs and that sort of thing, and they sprinkled you with flowers, and you became, instead of watching a show, you became part of the show. And by the time they finished, they had enhanced your thoughts that just because you are expected to take over a place in the farm doesn't mean you have to. It is your life to live. Your father had his life to live with the farm. But if you want to take it further and look further, you can do so. There's no reason why not. The army is right. It's good. It saves us. It protects us. But there's also people that can help the army that you don't have to join the army as such, but you can become one of the helpers that, that, that assist with the background in the army, etc., etc. So it's not all cut and dried. There's all many different aspects of life you can look at instead of just sticking with what has been the family trait. With that, Terry, what was the show itself? It was called Hair. Oh, so it was a musical? Yeah, a musical called Hair. Amazing. I thought that you meant that there were people that came and it was more like a, a sermon or something in there. No, yeah. I was very yeah. fortunate. My my sister-in-law was actually used to do the bookings for shows and she got me a good seat. <laughs> And, and uh, it was really quite. Uh, they, 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 the, the police went to see it and all this thing to study it to make sure that there's nothing. In it. Yeah, and it's really interesting. By the time they, they, by the time they had you in the show and on your seat and it was sprinkling you with flowers and all this sort of thing, you became so much a part of the show that nothing was, nothing seemed good, bad, or whatever. It was just you. You became the show itself. Yeah. And joined in. It was absolutely amazing, and it opened my mind to possibilities that I'd never thought of before. Yeah, yeah, and it it affected so many people like that. That's why it was such a tremendous success. Very clever people put it on there. Yeah. Very, very clever. But anyway, I, I travelled from shed to shed, searing from uh, and loving loving the work, loving the job. Got married and bought a house and. Wanted the, the family decided to shift up north, so I sold the house and had a house built up in uh, up up north in uh, New Zealand. Is this on the north or south island? This is in Kawakawa, North Island. Yeah, up there. beautiful, beautiful country up there. So you'd gone to Hare, had this realization you could do anything, but still didn't have the backing of yourself to do to leave yet. You went back to shearing. Oh, I was, shearing. yeah, I was shearing, yeah. yeah my, shearing was my job. And, uh, but it, it got me away from the farm. Oh, so you weren't on the farm anymore, you were just no. contract shearing? Yeah. Okay. And I spent my life about, I don't know, about 15 years living out the back of my car from job to job, yeah. I'd love to hear more about after seeing hair. So, did you have to break away and tell your parents, I'm not going to stay on the farm now? Actually, uh, I started in shearing gangs before I left high school. <laughs> my, mother, my father thought I was coming home to work on the farm, but he, I never got there. <laughs> was he supportive or didn't? Yeah, he was yeah. all right. He was, he, was, he was thankful that I'd done something and got work rather than just sit around and do nothing, you know, sort of thing. He wanted me to work on the farm as well, and I, if I was had days off, I'd work on the farm and do bits and pieces there, but that... Uh, 
and then I uh, he realised I was heading off. I I worked from for a gang around the area I was in for a start, and then went further north and travelled. Just travelled for My I dropped in to see them one night, and my brother said, "You're here for a long time, all night, or you're away again." <laughs> Flying visits. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, we'd we'd go different. You'd cheer up north, and then you'd go down south for the after Christmas because it cut out and shear till about March. Then June it cut out up north again, so we we'd go to Australia and cheer for in Australia, and then come back in to start in September this year. And yeah, so you had a sort of a run you'd do. Yeah. Wow, how many years did you do that? Oh, backwards and forwards. Yeah. How can I put it? I, d- I only came over to Australia once because by the time I went to come back next year, I was getting married. It sort of restricted the movement. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you if you love your job, you never have to go to work. You know, I just loved it. Loved what I was doing. Loved the people. Loved the work. Yeah. What about it did you particularly enjoy? It's very competitive. It's hard work, but it's very satisfying to see the what you've done at the end of the day, you know, the amount of work you've done. And I felt like it was, uh, yeah, just just loved it, loved the whole aspect of it. And you build up very good, strong friendships because you're, you're, you're like a family. You're living in a family situation. Yeah, it was really quite funny because one of the girls got pregnant, and by this time I was staying by myself, and uh, her mother threw her out. <laughs> I said, I come and stay with me. I'd done a St John's course, and then I said, you can come and stay with me if you like, because we were sort of not living as partners, but you were living in a family situation. So, And uh, I actually helped deliver the baby, because she had it very quickly. And they, they, it was midnight-ish, and the nurses were there, and they said, oh, 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 i better get the doctor. <laughs> and, and the doctor, they rang the doctor, and she said, oh, give us a hand here, da-da-da-da-da. Because she said, oh, pass me that tin box, will you? And I said, do you mean the sphygmomanometer? And she said, oh, okay. Now, <laughs> How did you know that? I'd done first aid course in that. Oh. I, I, I love that sort of and so I helped deliver the baby, and so I saw the impression of the previous incarnation on that baby as it was born. What does that look like? It looks like an old Chinese fella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Really? Yeah. And by the time they'd weighed the baby and brought the baby back, it had changed completely. They would have sworn they brought another baby back. At this point, where are you on your clairvoyance journey to be able to see the impression? Like, is that freaking you out, or is that no? You know I, that I, 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 I hadn't studied and I hadn't done much of that study yet, but I knew enough to automatically knew it. I think it was that was the opening of the door of the why why I go back to the four year old stage. It opened that door to. I was aware of more things around, and no one could explain it to me. When was the first time that you talked to someone about that? So quite a lot longer because they used to lock you up. <laughs> they used to lock you up for things like that. <laughs> so you kept that one quiet. Yes. Yeah. I think that would terrify me going through life, having experience like that and not being able to talk about it. 
It was an, I don't know, because I didn't know any better or worse, and it was just an understanding I had. What happened was then, I, I, this is why I got to where I am. So I uh, got married. married and bought a house and bought, built this beautiful house up north, and then uh, unfortunately up north there, I had to, I, I had a steady job, and they suddenly went bust. No, I had to go back to Sierra again, but it was I was staying away a lot then. The marriage broke down, and now, can I ask what, yes, how you met your wife? How long you were together? I met my wife when I was travelling. Uh, we'd been together for quite some time, about oh, I don't know exactly how long. We were married in '68, and we're talking late '70s. Yeah, thirteen years I was married for. I went back to work and I got a letter the next day from her lawyer saying that I deserted her and, and she was claiming the house and everything else. And in those days, the husband got nothing. I was left with what I was standing up in, in the car I had with me. As much my fault as her fault, you know, because I wasn't home often enough or long enough. And so uh, it just didn't, it, it just grew apart. Yeah. You know, I didn't know there was trouble until I got the letter. <laughs> so I hacked around for a while, and, and while I was hacking around, went down to stay with some people in Auckland, and that was in one of the seediest parts of Auckland. <laughs> and it was really quite strange, because I was in the bathroom one night thinking, what am I going to do, where am I going, and da 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 And a mist started to appear around the bath. And this hand, a beautiful hand, started to appear. And it was a partial materialization of an angel. And I was told to put my hand in the, this hand. And this hand was glowing and my hand was glowing white. And I was then told to put my hand in my chest, over my heart. And my whole chest started going white. And I knew everything was going to be all right. And I was going to follow on from there. So even though we think we're in a disaster, what it taught me was with the house I built, beautiful house overlooking the town, I was going to retire there. But we own nothing in this world. We have the use of it while we allowed it, but it can all disappear within minutes. And our motivation to gain finance and most the vast majority of motivation is to be as rich as you can be. Uh, you can't eat dollar notes, <laughs> you know, and it can all disappear just like that. Yeah. How do you, so when that's happening, uh, I mean, obviously now you speak of it, but in that moment were you quite distraught? In yeah, if, you're, if you're working on the spiritual side, I found you're never distraught because you know you're in comfortable hands. But were you at that level at that point? Before yes, the... I, knew, I, I, I don't know. I just knew that what what was happening was not wrong. It was right. And that I was safe and I was comfortable, yeah. Even before the, the bath experience and the mist came over? Before you had the partial incarnation of the angel? Did you feel that? Or was that the turning point where you thought... That was part of the turning... It, that was the turning point from where I was, yeah, I guess so, yeah. It didn't happen straight away. But what happened was, 
Uh, I was still doing a bit of searing, trying to keep myself, you know, and my car was getting worse and worse and all this thing. But a friend of mine said, go for reading, Terry. And I said, oh, what's that? And she said, oh, they, they read you what's going to happen, you know. I said, oh, they only read your mind, they don't, you know. And she said, no, go and see this woman. She's a friend of mine and I'm sure you'll find it all right. And so I went to see her. And I, I tried to imagine something in my brain when I walked in, so if she read me mind, she'd get a shock, you know. And she said, you brought a dog with you, Terry. And I said, what? She said, you brought a dog and described the dog my father had, had to shoot when I was 13, my dog. And the dog spirit of the dog was still with me. And it just blew me away, and I thought, hey, this is not what I... (laughs) She's been through my plan. This is not what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. And so she talked to me and told me a whole lot of stuff, and the one thing she said was, Terry, you can do this also. It's, it's, It's meant for you. You have the ability to do this. So I thought, oh, that's... And I felt a lot more comfortable after that, of course, as you can imagine, so... A little while later, I met up with that friend again, and she said, go down to this meeting, Terry. I said, what is it? And she said, I'm not going to tell you. She said, just go down to the meeting every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. I said, oh, okay. So a couple of months later, I wandered down to this meeting, and I sat down, and I listened to what they were saying, and I, hey, wait a minute, this is making sense to me. There are people thinking like I think. There are people having things like I do. I wonder what the hell it is. So about three meetings later, I discovered it was a spiritualist church. And I saw this woman some years later, and she said, I said, you didn't tell me that was a spiritualist church. <laughs> and she said, I didn't expect you to be running it either. <laughs> By this time, I was running it. Yeah. Wow. It just made so much sense to me, and everything they were saying made sense. And I got very involved with it, and I, we, it was about uh, half an hour or so's drive out of Auckland and they had all these big speakers from England coming over to the big churches in Auckland. So I'd go down to them and say, if we can have them for one night during the week that you're not busy, we'll give you all the money we take for that night except the cost of the hall. And we had the top speakers in the world speaking at our little church. And my 30 used to be a good night, and I got up to 300. Wow. Yeah. Who was the biggest speaker that you had there? A lot of them are now, they've gone, you know. Most of them have passed. I can't really, I don't really want to name too many of them. Uh, Actually, I can't even think of most of them now, but most of them were the old style of physical phenomenon mediums, and that's where I understand the energies and the flows and that sort of thing, because I was meant to learn all that. That's why I could show you about the flows and how you can change the flows and things like that. Uh, It's not needed now because people have a better understanding of what spiritual matters are all about, and they don't need to have that demonstration like I like we had to in them days when the Fox sisters were trying to get it through in America and that sort of thing. They had to use, you know, major changes. To convince 
for people to actually believe that it was actually happening. It had to be something that people could see yeah. rather than yeah. feel or know. Yeah, and once, once, once you, it's knowledge you're learning, right? And once you have this knowledge, you never lose it. Because it's like you know, make one, one, make two. You know, it's two, every t- whatever. And it's what you take with you when you pass. You're not going to take your house with you. You're not going to take the money in your pocket, but you're going to take your knowledge with you. And that's why I believe knowledge is, is the key to the problems of the world, rather than. But do you think it's a specific kind of knowledge, eh? or do you think any knowledge? Any knowledge is good, mate. Yeah. And and we all have fortes and aspects of our life that we can improve and gain and learn more about. And if we all learned about the same as I was, well, I wouldn't be even considered to be talking, would I? <laughs> Get what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah it's all done for... Mm. Ah, so anyway, yes, and I felt that all this... the entrance to this had all been opened at, 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 at that four-year-old place where I linked with my spiritual self and, and that it had opened the door for me for what I was to do. So I studied spiritualism and have been doing that for about the last, uh, goodness knows how long now, 50 years or so. Uh, found another wife who joined with me in New Zealand as well. Yeah, in New Zealand, and uh, we got on very well. She was also very much into spiritism, and we used to do hands-on healing and that after this church had finished, and I said to her one day, I felt like rubbing that person's shoulder. <laughs> She'd actually done a massage course, and she said, if you're going to rub shoulders, Terry, you go and learn how to do it properly. <laughs> So I did a massage course and loved it and took it on to further advanced courses and that's how I got from my spiritual side and my spiritual side was still encompassed into my massage side of it because it was through that that I learned to do the massage. Mm. And so you're still in New Zealand when this is all happening. Yes. What's your relationship? How many children did you have with your first wife? Two, two, two. Yeah. Were you like? I was still in touch with them. Yeah. Uh, it's changed a little. My son's gone a bit off the stray, but so did his father. So I can. <laughs> That's right. I love that. No judgment. Yeah, and uh, my daughter and I keep in touch as well. They've got a couple of kids. They've got grandkids and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a mixed bag, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like every yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, okay, so I went through the basic, I went through the advanced and the, the, the professional course, and uh, I, pre- I did that in New Zealand, uh, became very proficient at it. Uh, it's There's a lot more official documents now to what there was in those days, Uh I think to a certain extent they're railroading it into the one one type of massage rather than allowing a lot of those that have abilities like I have to do what they they know they can do. I work I've always worked with the doctors. If I felt there was something wrong, I'd send the doctor to check. And yes, sure enough. 
So the doctor ended up sending the old one to me that he couldn't figure out what was going on. And one guy said, you got Lyme disease. He said, what? I said, you got Lyme disease, L-I-M-E. He said, no, Terry. He was a vet. He said, it's L-Y-M-E. And you can't get Lyme disease in Charter's Towers. I said, you've got it. And he, they found he had it. And that sort of thing was coming through. And so the doctors were, I, said, I, I started one and I got the tummy and I just thing there. And I said, no, quick, down to the doctor. Went down there, you'd straight, they were straight and I was from that operation. <laughs> yeah, so it's really important that you you don't expect to do everything. Be aware that there's other health helps that is needed. Uh, and that's why that it worked in with the doctor so well. Do you think there's a correlation as well between physical ailments and our emotions or psychological you know, our thoughts and our emotions can affect our... I've had, a, I've had a little bit of an illness lately. <laughs> I had a... One thing was a urinary tract infection. And I discovered that the infection can cause problems with the brain. Yes, it all interrelates. And I went in for this checkup, and they said... The nurse said, Terry, you got a temperature. <laughs> I said, what? You got temperature, and I said, oh. And the doctor came in to see. Oh, she, she said, I'll get the doctor. So the doctor came in to see me, and the doctor sort of talked to me for a bit, and then he said, Do you mind if I bring someone else? And I said, No, no, bring whoever you like. So another doctor came in with him, and I'd known, I'd worked, I'd had both these doctors before, and they talked to me for about a quarter of an hour, and they said, Terry, what's going on? I said, What do you mean? He said, you've got pneumonia and neither one of us can pick it. I said, oh, I had Reiki yesterday. <laughs> and that had cleared it to the extent that the doctor couldn't find it. Wow. So that's what you were asking, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I guess that an emotion can then cause sickness mm. or disease. Emotion is one of our, yeah. It, 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 it. All those emotions in that... As causing vibration. Vibration causes it's. The, the, you've got the different colours of the chakras. Do you know about chakras? Yeah. yeah. Like your green chakras, if it's out of sorts, it it can be envy. Green. Yeah. 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 The very thing. Yeah. I do yoga. I do meditation, and I do healing. And the more you do of all those sorts of things, the more you understand your body and what it's doing and what's happening. Yeah. So how did you come to Australia then? Wife and I, then Colleen, and I decided to come to Oz. Our daughter-in-law was already here, or Colleen's daughter-in-law, and uh, we decided that there was more opportunity in Australia than there was in New Zealand. And the government had a very good program going for people that were coming in at the time. That you had, if you had a, a an idea of a job, you could go to a bank and ask for a loan to get money for it. If the bank turned you down, you'd go to the government and they'd assist you by teaching you, putting you through a course where you did your bookkeeping and your whole lot, and set you up so that you could then pay them back. That it, what it cost them to set you up. So we went through that. 
and we made sure we paid them back to the to the dollar because it was absolutely brilliant what they did for us. And were you doing immediately massage? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I went to a gym and I said I uh, I want to set up massage clinic. I do it here. And the guy said, oh, yeah, it costs you so much for the room. I said, yeah, okay, that's all right then. And uh, it, it took off because I knew what I was doing. They sent some guy in for a start to see what I was like. He was a Maori fellow, actually, from New Zealand. And uh, he came out and he said, well, what was he like? He said, bloody cracker. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next thing... One of the federal cops was in to try me out to see what the hang was going on because quite a few people were coming. Next thing I had all the federal cops coming in too. <laughs> and all that sort of thing, yeah, because I knew what I was doing I and I had faith in myself and I had faith in what I was doing. And I didn't judge anyone and like I, I did, I did my... Well, I was still in New Zealand, my uncle came to see me, you see, and I come, I come out of the room and she said, well, and he said, how is he? I said, I never discussed my clientele. If you want to find out, you've got to ask him. A few weeks later, she come in. Wow. <laughs> she knew she wasn't, I wasn't going to do it. It's totally private to them, yeah. you know. Integrity. Yeah, yeah. And that's important. So important. Well, it's trust, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's I've got one on the table. I've got one on the table. Yeah. Okay, they know I don't talk to anyone else. She said, I, I hate my baby. I had my baby and I hate my baby. I can't go home to my baby. And that's the sort of thing I talked through with them. They knew very well that I wouldn't sit in judgment on them or whatever. Another one said, my daughter's been had up for pinching off the chemist. What should I do? I said, well, for a start, let's not just blame your daughter. I said, what'd she pinch? Oh, she pinched some goodies, you know, to do her face up. I said, so the chemist has a responsibility. He's saying that you'll get better looking if you use my item, but you then you've got to pay for it. I said, so it's not only your daughter that's at fault here, and let's have a look at what's advertising and all that sort of thing. I said, it's not the end of the world, you know. And it's not just your daughter's fault. Let's, why don't you discuss it with your daughter and get it explained like that? You know what I mean? It comes back to beliefs again, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. Believing that she needed that. Yeah. And if she didn't of, have it, yeah. she wouldn't get a boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sort of work I used to do, was talking with them. Yeah. Because the majority of it is coming from the mind, really. Yeah. And I, I'm very fascinated with linking those core beliefs that you get when you're a child as well and then we're not conscious of what we've absorbed most of us and so then we just keep replaying the same patterns and it's so hard to then acknowledge or become aware of those belief patterns and then changing them like yeah. oh well why do i actually believe that and then realizing where it came from and that maybe it's not true I'm I'm very fascinated by some of the adverts going on at the moment. There's a one that says they're from the government, and they're uh, you d if you see a ex uh, see a crime happening, don't interfere. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, wouldn't you be better to ring the police? 
Oh, that's interesting. But so you so you've gone from the Gold Coast. Yeah. When did you get to Charles Towers? Well, we had friends up here, and uh, we were looking at buying a house. The reason I bought this place is because it's in the ideal position. Everyone comes past here. Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't the house. (laughs) Believe it or not, we had to shovel. (laughs) Yeah, we had to shovel the dirt out of this when I bought it. Oh my gosh! No floor. No, the floor was so dirty you couldn't see it. The windows broken. The whole place was a wreck. It'd been rented out for about six months, but it was it was ideal for us. You know, it was just where we needed. And, yeah. and with the massage and, and everything over that career, I guess what I'm interested in is that today people struggle. I think our generation, or maybe most people, because there's so much choice out there, actually being able to make a decision or as well being in a position where you feel lost or anxious or distressed and then perhaps not not everyone has a partial incarnation of an angel to provide that feeling of it's all going to be okay what what sort of your advice or do you have any advice on how how to make a decision a friend of mine we were sitting at the park and a friend of mine said oh who are those kids who sound look on their face walking past I said, well, what have they got to live for? What hope have they got to get ahead in life? That we are not providing, there's too much greed at the top, too much of the money is being shuffled off by the hierarchy, there's not the money going round and round the circle, it's all being stashed away in banks and things like that, and there's not enough turnover to people to get ahead, especially the young. I feel for them very much, so I'm very, very disappointed with what we are leaving for the child of today. Uh, they're not, they need all the help they can get. So they can't get ahead, so next thing someone's offering a bag of ice or something, and next thing they're gone. And once you're into that, it's, it's too late. But I think that as well there's always been a scale of that sure you've got ice at the extreme end of numbing but then you know alcohol yeah as well there's a multitude of addiction yeah addictions that you know are there and people just want to escape their lives i guess i used to drink beer i haven't had an alcoholic drink i found i was allergic to it actually which is best thing i've ever had But, uh, yeah, I agree, and it's always been there. But the thing is, there was always work as well. So you, you wouldn't drink too much on Sunday because you had to go to work Monday, whereas they got no work on Monday. Yeah. But what about people who do have jobs? I mean, you know, like when, with your life, you know, not realising, I guess at that point when your first wife, you know, issued the paperwork, that would have been a huge turning point, I assume, like a crossroad of, well, this is how I thought life was going, and now life is going to go a different way. I was very happy. I couldn't understand in my mates in the shed. I said, what is going on, Terry? You're laughing. You've just lost everything, and you're laughing. I said, I haven't got anything to worry about. Why? why? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> probably. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. That anyone that, that anyone that talks to spooks all day, they <laughs> don't try and reason with them. <laughs> well, that's no, right. But how you do know, people? I guess that's what I'm asking. How do you think that people can tap into that spiritual world to feel better themselves? Yeah. Yeah. It's there all the time without us realizing it. It's. It's and it's becoming more prevalent. People are more aware of it. And you look, watch the kids' programs now. They've got these spiritual people around them and all that sort of thing. And I think we're becoming more and more aware of them. I think there's major change coming, and this COVID nineteen is is part of it. It's it's something that had to happen to change the energy of the world. And that okay, it's pretty heavy and all that sort of thing, but. I think we'll come out of it as a better world. I think there'll be more understanding that people are more important than what's what we've been basing on is how many V8s we can have in the garage and, you know, all that sort of thing. We got to a stage where it became fin- it almost fanatical about panicking about getting more money in the bank and all that sort of thing instead of having the faith that Twice we were so broke we had nothing to eat and we had a raffle ticket at one place there and we won a box full of groceries and things like that, you know? It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard for people to have that faith though too, isn't it? It I is, think. yeah. Another thing I would like to tell you, and when they told me that Colleen was going to die, I was I had no reaction, I was happy because I knew she'd had enough. Colleen and I used to do meditations all the time. And we'd do meditations together, and quite often we'd interrelate to the two meditations, and we were, day before she passed away, we were walking up this hill, and she'd got these big black bags, and she was chucking them off. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm throwing away my negative experiences but I'm remembering them so I can learn from them. I said, oh, that's good. And every time she threw a bag off, she got lighter and lighter. And we got up the top of this hill and there was a water, a sea. I believe it was a sea of tranquility. And she got so light, she just kept walking across the water. When I looked up, all her friends and loved ones in spirit were on their far shore waving to her and calling to her. And she was, that's where she was going. Okay? And now every time I think of her, I'm so happy for her because I know where she is. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you remember the last time that something threw you off your balance? I uh, I have got a medical issue that's still going on. It was meant to happen. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to live forever in a day. None, no one does. So I know my path and where I'm going to be when I get there, if you know what I mean. So I have no fear of death and that sort of thing. So really our greatest fear is death to a certain extent. What's going to happen? Well, I've been working with it for years and I know what's going to happen. So. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's just so... I wish that we could all feel like that, you know, to have such faith 
because I think, well, my for myself, this need to control or feel certain that feel like there is certainty, but certainty is just an illusion, because as you say, we could lose anything and everything tomorrow. And so I think that is a huge challenge. What you're doing is you're saying that I'm going to go for a walk. You're going to go for a walk downtown to the bank and withdraw $20, right? So you get up and you go for a walk down to the bank and go to withdraw $20 and they've frozen your account. What would you do? Go into the bank? Yes, and find out why. Yeah. Okay, you wouldn't panic. You wouldn't say, Ah, get what I'm getting at? Okay, there's a reason for everything and there's a reason why you walked down there and why you got there and it wasn't there and there's obviously something you can do to help this so you'd go into the bank and find out what was going on and da 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 But you wouldn't panic. I probably would have, my stomach would probably drop like, oh my gosh, what's happened? Yeah. And then I'd go in, okay, and then if what if, if the branch is closed? Well, then I'm just, I'd, I would hold on to... Oh my God, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, until I could find out why. Yeah. But sometimes you can't find out why. No, but you learn and lesson from it. There's some things we aren't meant to know yet until we build up enough understanding of the situation. I believe we go up in steps and that... uh, Quite often we're not, we don't understand the steps. I, I, I was doing... Have you ever heard of Ekenkar? It's a it's a energy alpha, beta, and all that sort of energy fields we've got, and you get to quite high energy fields. And there's uh, I forget what the top one was, but I I did a meditation on this for a while, and I would start meditation, I'd go, hey, well, what's happening here, you know? And that would happen for about a week. Then I started meditating and I'd go, this is getting really strange. And I came across a book about Ekenkar and there's unreachable planes. One was Huck and the next one after that was Hick Hick. And I said, why couldn't I see where I'm going with this? And they said, there's no parallel in the physical world. It's far beyond what the physical world can show you. So then there's just nothing, it's just... It's it's an uh, understanding. Yeah. I've had an understanding, but I can't describe it to my physical self. No, yeah. It's not like you can see, Colleen, how you could describe yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that you still are developing... So, did Colleen, Colleen was sick, was she? Is that what she... Yes, yeah, she was. I looked after her for quite some time. She had this esophagus cancer. Which is a horrible one, yeah. Could, did she lose her um, ability to talk? No, she didn't. They did radiation. They couldn't operate because uh, it was too close to the heart or something. So they used radiation chemotherapy and she was very sick for a long time, for quite some time, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. It's hard to see. No, it was, she needed to go through because she had a tear or two at one stage there. I said, what's the matter? She said, I don't want to die. And I said, do you understand, though, why, what's happening? Yes. So by the time she did pass, she was uh, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Did you yourself, when you found out that she was sick from that time, the way that you 
contextualise it and, and came to came to terms with it. Was that different to the feeling when just the day before she died and you had that meditation? I felt I needed to help her, and that, and we give when we marry, we marry for life, which is I believe, and that's why it was a bit of a shock. That was the last shock I had when I found I was there was a divorce coming, and uh, I'm I believe you you know love, honour, and obey, you know, look after each other. And uh, so I, would, I was quite prepared to look after her as long as I needed to, as long as she needed me to, yeah. That's, is that what you were asking? Well, I guess, I just, I, I guess for the majority of people, if I found out that the person that I loved had a terminal illness, it'd be hard not to, it would take me a lot of time to process the grief of that and to accept that life as I know it will now probably proceed, you know, so you'd go into your bank and you'd see why she got it, or he got it. Get what I'm getting at? So you go in and process it and find out why. Find meaning in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people find that hard, though. Like, what, mm. how do you... Or maybe... Because they're working Actually, I don't... I think what it is, what I'm getting at, is that people make meaning out of it, but it's a negative meaning. So they mm, make yeah. it mean... Well, you know, why is this happening to me? This always happens to me. Mm. Um, I'm unlovable. I'm, you know, everything bad always happens to me. And get stuck in that suffering mindset rather than that growth mindset of, okay, this has happened. It is what it is. Now, where do we go from here? If there was no bad, how could you have any good? Okay? So there's, there's bad and there's good and it, it balances out. Okay? So... Uh, how can I put this? I don't feel bad if I'm going through a bad. I know there's a reason why I'm going through that bad. Okay? And, and it's not good. I know it's not good. <laughs> but I know there's better things to come, <laughs> you know? And I don't really like the bad. But if if you didn't have any bad, how would you know there was a good? It's, it's got to be balance in life. And it's opening our mind to change. It's a, the big and hard part to do. Yeah. Do you ever have moments where you just let yourself miss Colleen and, and feel sad? I don't miss her because I see her all the time. <laughs> do you? In your, like, do you mean in your meditation? Yeah. Communication? Yeah. What's your belief in soul energies finding each other? We have family. We have spiritual family as well as... So there's... You often really gel with someone and not really know why, and quite often they're in part of your spiritual family and they they have an understanding of you before you even meet them, as you have an understanding of them. Do you feel that you and your first wife were part of the same spiritual family? Uh, I believe that we needed to make children. Do you what? feel like your children? I guess it would work on any level. Especially, yeah. Do you yeah. feel that your children are part of your spirit? I feel my daughter is, a, particularly. Possibly my son is more than I realise. But Colleen definitely felt like part of your spirit. Yeah, family. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I imagine the woman as well in Auckland who could obviously see in you what you needed to go to the spiritualist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, she, was just, she was actually a sister of my first wife. Oh, she was a sister of your first wife? Yeah. Oh, she was a sister-in-law. Yeah. 
and she was so, and I believe we were, we are definitely part of, I am definitely part of her family, spiritual family, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Had to marry your first wife to meet her sister. Yeah, that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terry, do you think that we just overthink everything now? Majority of, uh, if we've got a problem, we can't seem to figure it out, it's because we've missed, missed the simple part. There's an easy part through everything, and if we, if we can't, if if we can't figure it, I review it and say, right, what did I miss? What have I? What is the easy path I've missed that will answer this question? Could you give me an example of that? I could say yes. Why did you ask that? The easy answer to that question is: I'm looking into your mind to find out why you're tasking me that. Is there, is there something that's bothering you that you want to know the answer to? I think the thing that bothers me is, yeah, getting stuck in overthinking, overanalyzing, trying to make meaning. You know, you just seem to have such ease with things. If something's bothering me, I say, go away. And the quicker you say, go away, the less it has the power. It has the power. Less power it has to stay where it is. And uh, I, I have weird thoughts. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm as normal as anyone. <laughs> but you know, you, you have doubts about something you've done in the past or whatever. That's normal. You say, oh no, I've been through that. Get away. Yeah. Love that. Just release it. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. What does your day to day look like now? I've been sick, so I'm healing myself. But it's like you, you, you can't take care of your basics first. The most best healer you've got is rest. The more you can rest and eat decent food and lots of water. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. Just the basics. Start with the basics and work up from there. At one stage there, I was having something like 80% of my time on bed. Sleep. Yeah. Your body needed it. Yeah. To repair. Yeah. Yeah, which we're all terrible at resting. I guess what I was getting at too is I think that we have a tough time trusting ourselves and not being influenced by what we think we should do. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like 80% of the time in bed, like for some people, they would hear that and be like, look, no, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. Oh, lazy bugger, get up yeah. and do something, yeah. Yeah. There's but I was doing something, I was healing myself. No one has a right to judge anyone. I have no right to judge you any more than you have a right to judge me. So much of the time we have been told we won't be able to do that, you can't do that, you can't do this and this and that and the other. I think we need to have faith in ourselves, and belief in ourselves and be true to ourselves. And when we can do all that, then we can move forward very carefully and, and, and with love and light. Yeah. You've got a tremendous, you're going to do some beautiful work, you know, aren't you? I'm not sure, Terry. Yeah, I am. Thank you. Yeah, you've got the strength and you've got the ability and you've got the inquisitive nature to take yourself a long way. Thanks, Terry. Yeah. Let's finish there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks again, Terry. Our conversation has certainly expanded my mind. I'll be back next week with another episode of How Do You Decide? Until then, make good choices.